Welcome to Just a Sip Podcast. I'm sitting here with Alan from Daytona Brewing Company. That's right. Correct. That's not correct. No, it's Daytona, Daytona Beach, Beach Brewing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Daytona Beach Brewing. My wife told me that too when we were on our way over here because I said it wrong. I do it every single time. I did it with uh, a brewery out in uh, like West Palm Beach. I said totally the opposite name. And they're like, no, that's not. I was like, all right. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'll leave. I'll be quiet. Yeah. But anyways, and uh, we also have John with us. John, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So you're promoting five new beers right now. Uh, yes. You have a special going on. What are these five beers? Well, the five beers are for our three-year anniversary. Uh, the first one is a New England-style double IPA. Okay. Second one is our Cherry Lime Braggot that we brew once a year. Uh, third one is it's okay. an English <laughs> barley wine. Ooh. And the fourth one is the um, a Baltic porter brewed with cocoa and raspberries. And wow. The last one we have is our barrel-aged Abbey beer. Now, what have you seen so far that's been, like, well, I guess every, you have one come out every day, right? Yeah, so it's it not even that you can even compare them. Yeah, definitely see. I think the eye-opener for everybody has been the, the New England IPA, a lot of non IPA drinkers are now drinking that. Gotcha. And the fact that it's a double IPA is even more impressive. It's just the style uh, tends to be not as bitter as a regular IPA, so it opens it up to a lot more uh, drinkers. And that's that's what I was going to ask you. So with the double IPA, some people get a little bit nervous thinking, oh, it's going to be even stronger, IPA, too bitter, too whatever. Yeah. But often as is the case probably with yours it actually kind of mellows it and kind of dresses it a little bit nicer than a regular ipa would right right this one has uh it's made to look cloudy it's made to almost look like orange juice uh, yeah so when you smell it it's going to smell just like a double ipa but when you drink it you're going to find that it's very mm. smooth and it, it actually amazing. gives you a lot of that citrus taste so let's go ahead and try this one first Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. Yeah, you see, you get a lot of that. Yeah. A little bit of hot tingle in there, but mm -hmm. mostly it uh, uh, gets some of that citrus. The more you drink it, the more you get that. And there's not that big, pungent, hot bitterness that uh, a lot of oh, people yeah. get turned off on. Yeah. Oh, man, I really like that a lot. Now, how did you decide what you were going to go with first? How did you decide that order? The order, I, I well, first I picked all the beers I was going to do. Um, the one that took the most amount of planning is our 7117, the barrel-aged beer, because that sat in the barrels for about four or five months. Okay. Uh, but other than that, I just looked at what's been coming out recently in the market uh, and, and picked those. And some of the, I always try to brew something different every year for our anniversary. So none of these except for the Cherry Lime Braggot have been brewed before. Perfect. So now uh, let's go, yeah, go ahead. On the, uh, you kept mentioning citrus notes, is that specific to like a specific type of hops that you have in there or you actually infused it with the citrus spices or, or how'd you, how'd you come up with that flavor profile? 
Yeah, it's a combination of a lot of citrus-based hops. So there's some Eureka, okay. some Citra, yeah. some Amarillo, Cascade, those types. And I blended the hops and did a lot of extensive dry hopping to get nice, that. Nice, very nice, yeah. And yeah. it's definitely, I think, very palatable for, I can see that like across the board for people who are, you know, drinking different styles and it that really hides that intensity of an IPA that some people are afraid of. So that's uh, yeah. really nicely done. It does. I've noticed that a lot of people uh, are trying to get in more into the IPAs now that they are craft beer drinkers mm -hmm. because they see that there is such a huge flavor profile out there that they're not even getting. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that they're just kind of scared because of the IPA. Yeah. But the more you drink beer, I think it's just it's a natural progression. Uh, I know a couple of my friends, they just kind of jumped right into it and they kind of... I don't know how you say it, like um, took the beating for a bit. And then now, I mean, they, they love it. And now they're trying, I mean, anything that says IPA in it, that's the first thing they're going to go for. Right. Um, what, like with these, is this one, one of your favorites out of what you have? It definitely Are you more of an is. IPA I, guy? I think it's, um, I think it's been real exciting to see all the people who basically say, I don't even want to try a double IPA. I don't want to go there. And you know. We do. We give out a lot of samples here, and, I'm, and I convince people to try it. And the look on their face when they try <laughs> it is, is excited, and they're like, "Wow, yeah. I can drink this, and it's a double IPA." So I think it's a great style to introduce people to that side of the beer world, really, the IPA, which is the number one style sold in the craft market. Oh yeah. So it's um, definitely it's all right. So let's go ahead and go to the next one. Sure. Can you repeat it again? What, what this next one that we're going to be drinking is? The next one is a uh, cherry lime braggot. A braggot is half mead and half beer. Uh, this one, this one starts off as a saison oh, man. Uh, beer, and then we add uh, 84 pounds of tart cherries, ferment that out, and then we add the 100 pounds of honey to make it into a braggot. And it's, it's this year turned out really smooth. Uh, we only brew it for our anniversary. A lot of people are looking forward to it. Yeah. And this is the only one that we do every year. So very, very smooth. Um, you can definitely taste like that saison kind of a style to it right in the beginning, and then the flavor just kind of starts to build right off of that. Yeah. So do you? Um, we haven't really talked about the alcohol content or on, on these just yet, but um, being that this has the mead, the mead going with it, there is that increase the alcohol content in any way different than the other beers that you got here? Well, it does. The, this one, because of the honey and the tart cherries, and by the way, I do add a little bit of uh, lime extract to finish it off. Very cool. Um, whenever you add a, uh, a fruit or something like a honey, additional sugars, and then you ferment that, the outcome is a slightly higher. Uh, this year's batch came out to about in the low nines, 9.1, 9.2. Last okay. year's batch was at 10, so it's just uh, yeah. when you do that and you're using uh, the, the honey and the, and the fruit, it's, it can be a little bit more difficult to get an exact. Yeah, um, we've talked to a lot of uh, bre different brewers and uh, a lot of home brewers, and everyone says that the hardest thing is trying to write down and make sure that you have everything set the right way. <laughs> Okay, you're looking at the uh, at the alcohol content. I thought somebody yeah. was calling you. I was like, yeah. "Do we have to stop?" No, no. The uh, they're all this year above eight eight percent, um, and uh, and in some of these, the English the the brandy, the barley wine is at ten percent. So, uh, 
that would be the next one we're coming into. I was gonna say the the nose on this is is really pleasant. It definitely you can smell the sweetness of the you know the fruits and stuff that are in there. Mm -hmm. So it, it gives, and I think with a lot of craft beer, the experience is being able to harness all of what the brewer has attempted to do and provide for you. So when you go and you get to smell the different fruits and you taste it and you taste more of the meat in there and the this and it's like all of that really makes for the experience and the craft beer world it's that's what you're looking for yeah so it's, it's a nice job yeah. thanks all right what is the next one that we have here the next one is uh, english style barley wine okay uh it's it was probably the most difficult one to brew because i ended up having to use an excess amount of malt uh, totally filled mm. up my mash kettle um it was 830 pounds. There's seven oh, different wow. ones, which, you know, in a, it's a seven barrel system. So putting that amount of malt in was, was really a long brew day, actually. Yeah, definitely. This is definitely a heavier, uh, heavier beer. Um, color wise, again, very dark, but very smooth. Yeah. And to be honest, I particularly am not a huge fan of barley wines. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just maybe I just haven't had the right ones. I don't know what it is. Uh, but to be honest, this is very, very smooth. It's probably one of the smoothest ones I've ever had. Yeah, the the English barley wine versus the American barley wine. The American mm. one is going to be highly hot, so you get this big, with the American ones, you get a big punch of hot bitterness, which tends to make people, so you've got a big alcohol beer along with a big pungent yeah. uh, hot hit, and it, it's not. So that's why this year I decided to go with the uh, English style. And I was gonna say that for barley wine, the the usually that's exactly what I was gonna say is you get that punch of the alcohol because of the way it's often done. But yeah. with this style that you did here, I can I can see the difference. You know, it's not in your face. Like I'm not doesn't feel like I'm literally drinking like a, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, yeah. this is and it, and it has, but it still has the the taste that you're looking for in barley wines. I don't, it's. I and mean, Gio says it's not really his his type of beer choice necessarily. For me, it's not one I drink a lot of, but I definitely like experiencing the what what happens there when you mix in on yeah. that style of beer. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, thanks. I think um, maybe a reason that I personally maybe have not found one that I particularly like a lot is maybe that a lot of people are maybe afraid of uh, making them. Like you were saying, it, it was a lot more of a process. Yeah. It was a lot uh, was more difficult to do it. So maybe uh, brewers shy away from that. Could be, could be. Um, I, I think that it's just one of those styles that once they get it into their uh, into the things that they brew, yeah, you know, can be pretty consistent. But. One other thing I was gonna say too: sometimes uh, when you're trying to learn um, or get more involved in drinking the craft beers. Um, color of a beer often scares individuals yeah. you know they see something dark and they're like oh i can't no no way that's not a beer but i think barley wine is a nice um you know it's it's obviously got you know the much deeper darker color but it doesn't have that extreme punch in your face taste that you'll get from a stout or from you know right. the heavier porters so right. it's definitely a good one to try yeah. yes all right, now we're going on to the fourth, day four. <laughs> day four. Day four. What do we got here for day four? Day four is a uh, Baltic porter. Uh, came in around 8%, but this one was brewed with uh, cocoa nibs and uh, raspberries. Okay. 
So you'll right off the bat you'll get a big chocolatey um, malty taste with a little mm. bit of uh, roastedness. Yeah. And then you'll get that a nice finish of raspberries at the end. Oh wow. <laughs> Me and John have been doing this for a little bit, and John's a whole lot better at uh, picking up the notes in a beer, and uh, he can really kind of break it down. And it's usually a little bit harder for me to do that sometimes, but with this beer in particular, everything you said, I smelled it, tasted yeah. it immediately, yeah. and it was a really nice blend. Nothing, nothing clashed, which no. is really what uh, really awesome about that. But uh, I think most people will be able to be like, oh yeah, I can taste, you know, that like kind of like nuttiness to it or the the fruitiness of it, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to almost pick out at least kind of what it has in it, maybe not specifically. Yeah. The uh, chocolatey and the raspberry, I think, is what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some beers, when you smell them, um, and then you go to taste them, and then you're like, "Oh, that's not at all what I was imagining," yeah. or whatever. But this is one of those beers that, like, I've had several in the past where, as you start, you're already prepared for what you think it's going to be, but and it follows through. Yeah. So it's really it's pleasant because you're not surprised in a bad way at all. It's kind of like, "Ooh, I didn't know it was going to taste that way." But it makes sense, and your palate really can, you know, harness that flavor in that. It's really good. I, I think the, uh, on the porter side, I used to drink more of the heavier beers and the darker ones at one point in time in my experiments of uh, beer drinking. And porters were up there back then. Now, not so much, just because I think there's so much more that you can do now with the IPAs and the barley wines and everything else that's going on, and mm-hmm. even, you know, the Vicens and everything. But the... Uh, object of this porter that you have done here is is really easy to drink for being a porter yeah. so it, it's it's pleasant yeah uh, i was gonna say because we're in the summer and it's so hot out here in florida uh me and ben have talked about this before ben it will seek out a lighter colored beer mm-hmm. because it's easier to drink yeah. uh but none of these have been heavy enough to where i could say oh i can't do that today it's way too hot for it you know, as long as I'm inside, in, indoors, I could totally do that. But some other, like, I don't really want to drink a whole porter or a whole stout right now unless it's something extremely light. But even with this right here, I could totally have a glass of this and feel totally fine, even maybe even outside if there's a little bit of breeze. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I, I, I enjoy. Because I, I personally like a, a darker beer rather than going something very light or very fruity. I like it to have some kick to it right you know and uh so i'd rather drink something like that but i can still do it on a day like this yeah during the summer i didn't you know we really don't focus on too many of the dark beers but uh, with the baltic porter we we lagered it some so it gets a very mellow flavor to it and uh makes it very drinkable definitely all right so day five (laughs) thank you very much day five is our uh abbey style um Oh, man, that smells amazing right away. Yeah. <laughs> Barrel-aged beer. And the, the barrel that we oh, used man. was a, a brand-new barrel, never been used before. So it okay. came directly from uh, Kentucky. Um, and uh, it's a white American oak barrel that with a medium char. Basically, it's the type of barrel they would use to make a whiskey with. Uh, since it was unused, uh, the, any kind of beer that you put into is going to get an intense aroma and flavor from it. Yeah, especially um, right away, not being yeah. used before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now how often or is it um do brewers like to go with a barrel that's already been used before with something specific or is it more likely that they're going to buy something that's never been used before or is it just kind of like depending on the beer it the majority of what we've got out there now is uh, bourbon barrels so that's very popular i think the bourbon flavor is something that everybody likes in Mm -hmm. general yeah Um, i've done some whiskey ones the first year we were open and those were well received Uh, the second year bourbon though that we did was was even more well received wanted to do something a little bit different this year and Mm -hmm. so we made this beer and it it just totally whenever you put a beer in a a barrel it's going to change it somehow oh yeah so the the base abbey ale here is is probably close to a uh, double double style but uh, after sitting in the uh, barrel, it, it clears all up and picks up the aromas from the barrel, picks up the uh, vanilla and the oakiness from mm-hmm. it. And there's a little bit of plum from the actual beer style itself, so it all tends to come pretty, uh, combine pretty good. Now, the barrel kind of mellows out a lot of flavors as well, right? Mm-hmm. Usually when you put something into a barrel, it's got to be a little bit higher and a little, little more like kind of a kick to it so it, it will mellow out at the end yeah the alcohol will stay the same generally um but i'm talking about even like flavor wise and that doesn't usually kind of bring everything down a little bit or yeah it's going to change everything yeah you know um and it's going to make the characteristic of the barrel go into the beer uh, last year's 7116 was a belgian triple in a bourbon barrel and those are generally a cloudier beer after barreling it was totally clear Mm-hmm. picked up uh, some of the bourbon aroma when you were drinking it, but then when you on the aftertaste, you got all of the triple component to it. So, How often do you try to have a barrel-aged beer? Well, right now, we've got a pretty good stock of them back there yeah. just because we've, we've been so busy this year, I haven't had a chance to really uh, bottle them. But uh, we're going through an expansion in a couple of weeks, and that should actually free us up so that we can start getting some of our barrel-aged beers out in uh, Bombers. So you, you should see this one, and, and actually you'll see 7116 and some special one-off beers that we did that have been back there. And several of them are now over a year old, so it uh, should be interesting. Yeah. That's going to come out with a, a no, and, then it, and it changes so much. You've had it before at a certain timeline, and then it sits longer, and then you're drinking a different beer, even though it's the same style. Yeah. But the um, I was going to say you mentioned that this has the Abiel... Um, and I'm surprised, though, uh, it does, it did lighten it up quite mm-hmm. a bit, considering you were saying it's kind of almost a double style Abbey yeah. when you originally started. But this doesn't have the texture of an Abbey L, no. like, you know, at all. So that's interesting to see how much it can change once you do that yeah. barreling process. So I, I appreciate that from this yeah. one. This yeah. uh So moving on just a little bit from the beers that we have in front of us, Mm -hmm. you're here in Daytona. You've been here for about three years now. Right. That's what I I had been reading. Uh, What was your background before beer? This is something that uh, me and Ben were talking about. I'm always interested in what you did before. Sure, sure. I was in the IT industry for many, many years. Okay. uh, Got out of that when I, uh, just before I opened up the brewery and... uh, basically did that. I graduated from uh, UCF back in 86. Okay. And And then it was just like a passion that you had? Yeah, I've always had that passion. I started home brewing back in the late 80s and uh, did quite a lot of home brews and loved it. Always wanted to open a brewery. Yeah. 
Did it, um, I, I was just going down the line here on the beers that, I mean, I've had some of your other beers before as well, and then these that you've come up with. I see a lot of different style of hops. Like, you are across the board on what you're picking to, to put these together. Because, I mean, the, there's no way, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's really nice to see a brewer, and when you talk about the craft beer world, and this is right here, local, right in town, somebody who is actually using their resources to come across all different styles of the malts and the hops and different styles of beer and putting it together um, in this way because it's a very drinkable, fashionable style of beer that you have here at this location. And that's something that you definitely should appreciate because, I mean, going back several years, this was hard to come by yeah. around here. You had to go to that special store to get that special beer from somewhere. Now you can just hop into your local spot and drink it fresh off the taps. Yeah. So that's really, it's a good job that you're doing here. Thanks. Yeah. How hard is it to get the different hops now? Because I know a lot of the big companies are buying up a lot of the hops. Is it still, is it that difficult or not really that difficult? Is there enough hops to go around? Well, I, I think a few years ago, um, there was a very popular hop that everybody knows, the Citra hop. Mm -hmm. um, and it had just come out and, and then they named it and then people loved it uh, and became very popular. And so that one kind of started the trend. Um, but this year I, I've, I've used Citra in a few different beers. And although I don't have a contract for it, I'm able to talk to some of my hop providers and they can get it for me pretty easy. And I've already seen two or three experimental hops come out uh, and be announced this year without a name. They call them experimental and they have a number on them and things like that. Those will come into a different thing. I think last year, the year before, there was experimental um, hop and now it's Eureka and I use a Eureka a lot okay. in, in, our, in our IPAs. Um, so I think the, the hop market is adjusting to the craft demand. Okay, you know? yeah. There was the one issue with uh, AB InBev. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And, yeah, and, and that definitely hurt some of the other brewers that um, were contracted with that. Gotcha. Uh, but I'm small enough to where I don't really contract yet. Okay. Uh, I am talking with a couple of my suppliers that do provide probably uh, the majority of my hops and instead of doing a single contract they're giving me an option to hey you have to buy this certain amount which works for me across a variety of hops so it's worked uh -huh. out pretty good yeah yeah now with um you saying that you're you're being a little bit smaller um you don't bottle yet any of your beers or can well we um we we have a bottling line but the last one i did was 7115 which was my first year anniversary Okay. So all of the second year, we were just slammed with uh, production and really couldn't get back to it. Uh, and so I have been barrel aging, which <laughs> I want to go ahead and put into bottles. And so, yeah. uh, like I said, we have an upgrade coming up here uh, in the beginning of July, and I expect to be able to start bottling again at that point. In addition, with the upgrade, uh, there is a potential that we might be able to can some of our distributed beers. So we'll... We're looking into that too. Very nice. Now, how does distribution work for you personally? How would how would you get your beer out there? Is it something that somebody has to come in here and buy it themselves, or is it going to be getting into stores? Or yeah, well, in in the state of Florida, we're uh, held to the uh, three tier law. So okay. brewers, wineries, distilleries can only sell to distributors. Distributors sell to retailers, uh, and, okay. and then the retailers to the public. The exception to that is our tap room where we can sell directly to the public. 
Okay. So we sell growlers to go, things like that. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't think I have any questions. Uh, we have uh, a very nice experience here, um, enjoying these uh, nice craft beer here. I know that right now I believe you have your anniversary party coming through. Yeah, we do. Do you want to send a shout out about that? Yeah. Go right ahead. Oh, great. Thanks. It is our actually our uh, three-year anniversary. Uh, today is the last day. We have all five of the beers will be on tap that we released this week. So okay. um, it's been a lot of fun. We've had people coming in every night, try something different, which is what you were talking about earlier, how uh, people can get a different beer now and, and yeah. try it here locally. Perfect. Now, how long will these beer, beers be here? Are you taking them off after today? Oh, no. They're going to be around for a while. Okay. Yeah. So even if people can't get in today, they can still come by and Absolutely. try the different ones that you've yeah. had. Yeah, they'll be on for a couple months. I do have one more question for you. Uh, when it comes to selecting a different beer, like your process for uh, making a new style or just a new beer in general, what do you go with? Is it you see what you're selling and go, okay, we're selling a lot of IPAs or we're selling a lot of stouts. That's what I want to go with. Or is it just like I, I want to go with this next? Right. How does that process happen? Well, there's, there's two uh, thought processes there. The the first one is the tap room, and the tap room is, I make whatever I want to make. Okay. So that's why you get these kind of beers in the middle of summer. You're getting a barley wine, you know. Um, you're getting the in the New England IPA and mm -hmm. the cherry lime. So all those things come out. Those are things that I want to brew that I know people are going to come in and want to try and whatnot. The distribution market is totally different. You have to listen to what's out there in the market, listen to your distributors, what they want to sell, and and that's how we do it. So we, you know, we sell our number one seller is our Daytona Blonde. The second is the Beachtown Pale Ale, and okay. then we have some seasonals that we put out occasionally. But that's what we focus on in the market. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and then you, I mean, because obviously it's the tap room, so that's what you use for you. Do you still take a lot of feedback from that? Oh from yeah. Like yeah. what seeing what your regulars enjoy, what people come in and they they want tend to lean towards yeah even I though mean, you say you th want you throw out whatever you want but yeah. you still kind of take that into consideration yeah i did the, you know in uh, last year we one of the beer releases was uh beech nut which was a, a chocolate coconut stout mm. and i ended up having to brew that one half the year oh. just because <laughs> people wanted it you know yeah. and then the cherry lime braggot if i didn't brew that this year there probably would <laughs> be a riot <laughs> some, some something bad would have happened so you know but yeah, right. stones yeah. from the streets. <laughs> yeah. So I think people are starting to understand now after the third year of uh, what we're doing and, and that different beers are coming out. Let's see what he's doing. And it's a little stressful for me because a lot of times it's, the, well, all of these are, except for the Cherry Line Braggot, are the first time brew. And some of them I did some different things to. And so there wasn't any chance to redo it. They yeah. coming out. So yeah. How was, frightening is that when you put something out there? It is very frightening, <laughs> actually. Um, most of these beers finished up the uh, measured mile, which is the double IPA. We released it on Tuesday. We packaged it on a, the previous Thursday. Cool. There was no turning around on that. Yeah, day. that's if it. If it didn't work out, then we were not going to have a release that night. Yeah. Fortunately, we were good on everything. Now, um, it being you know kind of scary when you put it out there. Have maybe it's up to you if you want to answer this question. Mm -hmm. But have you ever had anything that you put out there and then you're just like, I really was not happy with this, but you know, you uh, put it out there anyways, maybe, or you, or you dumped it, and you just said, you know what, I'm not going to go with it. I, I feel very fortunate, and I'm knocking on wood that <laughs> yeah. I haven't really, I haven't dumped any beer. Okay. Um, and I haven't made anything, I think, that's 
too far out there. Yeah. We've put beers out there that when I brew it, I want it to be what it is. Like we were talking about the chocolate raspberry. That's what you're going to get. I've brewed beers that, mm, like our Saison, which had star anise, which is a strong licorice flavor. Yes. Some people loved it. Some people didn't love it. And, I gotcha. You know, so I think just about every beer somebody's going to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even when you have IPA, a very popular IPA or a very popular beer, there's going to be a certain percentage that comes in and says, I don't really, it's not my style, right? Yeah. And so we talk about that in the, in the tap room here a lot with people that, oh, it's not your style versus, oh, I don't like that beer, you know? You just got to understand what in individuals like, and everybody's a little bit different. You know, when you try an IPA and you try an IPA, you're going to get a little bit different flavor profile out of it because everybody's palate is a little bit different. Yeah, I definitely try to tell uh, a lot of my friends that are getting into the craft beer scene, I tell them, you know, don't be too harsh on anything. Mm -hmm. You may not like it, but it's because it might be just that you're not used to it yet. Yeah. You know, these people come from Budweiser, Corona, yeah. things like that, where, you know, that's just what they're used to. Yeah. That's what beer is yeah. to them, which is totally fine, but it's something that you have to give a chance to and let it grow on you. Yeah, there is a... Um uh, one of the things we offer here is a tour. You can get that just about any craft brewery. Um, and part of the brewery, I'll go back there, and there'll be people that aren't IPA drinkers. And what I'll do is I'll pull out some of the Cascade Amarillo hops, and I'll let them smell it. And they're like, oh, I smell what that smells like. And they then they understand what a hop is, how it's added to the beer. And then when we come back to the tap room, I say, here, try this Beachtown Pale Ale. It's got the Amarillo hop that we talked about. And it and suddenly they're like, oh, I understand what it is. I don't mind drinking it. You know, They can connect it with their yeah. mind to their palate and everything. Exactly. And I was, you were mentioning, uh, Gio, some of these uh, individuals that drink, you know, the classic things that you've been able to get, all your domestics. And, you know, comparatively, though, we're talking about a style that this person might like, this IPA and the other one. It's the same with the domestic beers. Some people drink... Coronas and some people drink whatever. They're all lager. Yeah. A lot of them are lagers. It's yeah. you know, and it's but just because it's a lager doesn't mean you're gonna like it or or that you will like it. Same thing with an IPA. You know, this IPA might be awesome for me, and I drink another IPA. It's still an IPA, but it's not. So you yeah. really just can't close the door on a style of beer. Yeah, you, you know, everybody, every brewer is gonna do it different. There's different notes, spices, everything. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just like you said. You know, being able to you set it up in your tap room and you do it, and then you get a good heavy calling on one IPA, and another time it's like you know, not as you know uh, popular, but it doesn't. Yeah. You just you yeah. go with it. You got it right. And, and we offer uh, a lager, a true. It's a Martzen style, but it's a lager. It's our. It's called Left Turn Lager, and it's on tap right now. And I get a lot of people that come in and say, "Just give me something light," because they're not really sure, or they're maybe not that familiar with all the craftier styles. So. I'll start them with that lager, and it's got a little more body to it, obviously, since it's a, a craft lager. Yeah. Um, and then they they start liking that, and then they start to get a little bit more adventurous and move up to something else and start trying things, and then, you know, they get more acclimated to the craft environment. Yeah, I, th I think it's um, just because we have so many uh, craft breweries coming up on the scene. Uh, it's getting more and more competitive, but I think that's in a way a good thing. Yeah. In some in that, in, in some aspects. Uh, maybe sometimes it's like a little more saturated, but I think the brewers have to step up mm -hmm. and have to put out products that they, you know, uh, really have their heart into and passion into in order to make it a good beer. Yeah. But that's making for more and more craft drinkers yeah. and people who enjoy it and love it and, and seek that out rather than just going with something 
right. they normally see anywhere else. Exactly. Um, now, you were talking about you were expanding. Mm-hmm. That you're going to be, uh, are you moving to a new location or are you just expanding this where you are now? Yeah, we're just expanding the, uh, not the brew house, but the fermentation tanks. We're doubling the sizes back there. Nice, okay. Which will effectively double our production, give us that capability. Gotcha, okay. And uh, with, I guess, with any brewery, you always want to kind of expand. But how hard is it to keep a balance between expansion and kind of keeping that like feeling of craft? and being kind of like a small company. You know, I don't yeah. know if I'm explaining it correctly. No, I, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, when people come down here, they meet me and my wife, and they know that we've only got five people working in the company. Um, so you can pretty much see what's going on here. Uh, expansion's gone pretty well. This is actually our sixth expansion in three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we, we started out pretty small, and then immediately every six months it seems like there's a, a different piece or a different brew house is upgraded or something like that. Gotcha. And is it something that you continually strive to grow and grow with size-wise, or is it something where you have kind of an end game of, I want to be at least, I just want to get to here? I personally, you know, I think every brewery is different. For mm-hmm. me, it's, I have to look at the opportunities that are out there. Um, and as they come along, then it's time to go. It was exactly a year ago that we did our last expansion. And, you know, I thought, okay, this will hold me for three years. Well, we were, at <laughs> we were pretty much at 100% capacity all year long. So it, there was gotcha. really no room to do some of the other things like canning or anything like that that I wanted to do because we were supporting our draft market. I want to get into different packaging like the bottles and the cans. And yeah. So to do that, you really need to produce a little bit larger amount of beer. And I gotcha. uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I know we enjoyed it a lot. Uh, definitely, again, if you guys can get out here today, and uh, you got food trucks coming out here, you've got uh, a tent set up. You got a huge fifth wheel out there too. I don't know what's <laughs> going on in that fifth wheel, but uh, you got a bunch of stuff going on. So it's going to be a great day out here. But also, if even if you can't, still stop by, try yeah. the different beers that you have on tap right now. Yeah. Um, I know everyone's going to enjoy them, and. Uh, <laughs> What we were saying before, if you don't like something, it might just be that you haven't uh, gotten accustomed to it yet. Yeah. Um, but I know that usually if you sit at the bar or talk to somebody, if you tell them what you kind of like, yeah, they're going to be able to find something for you. Well, and we do that. We have little two-ounce tasters and, and purchase those on purpose just to say, hey, how about this? How about that? Because a lot of times people just walk up and say, oh, I, I drink. Uh, and then they'll say, it, I drink Coors Light or I drink Miller Light. That's yeah. all I drink. Well, okay, let's start with the lager, see how mm-hmm. you like it. You know? Yeah, I always tell people try to either sample it or get a flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the best way of trying yeah. uh, a lot of different beers in small amounts just to kind of get your palate going and, yeah. and see what's going on at the brewery. Yep. But, uh, yeah, no, thank you again so much, oh, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we can get a lot of our listeners out here. And uh, But for everything else, you guys, thank you for listening and continue listening. Thank you. I'll see you.